Warning, we're not medical professionals. We're just two gross weirdos fascinated by bodily functions who read too much WebMD. This podcast will contain some pretty gross content, so listen at your own risk. Gross Podcast. Podcast, the podcast where we talk about gross bodily functions and phenomena. I'm Katie. I'm Jessica. And we're here with a delicious no subject today. <laughs> but first, uh, Jessica, how's your body? Uh, it's fine. Um, I'm tired. I feel like this weather change has affected how much I want to sleep all the time. I probably have seasonal um, affective disorder or whatever. Uh, Really, the only other thing that has happened with my body lately is I burned my tongue on some ravioli. And so now drinking this tea hurts my tongue. Aww. It's fine. Well, we should have waited (laughs) for it to cool down. No, it's like a mild burn that I mostly just notice. When I'm eating something, syn- like, uh, not synthetic, what's, uh... Acidic? Yes, acidic, thank you. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my tongue only hurts when I eat things that are acidic, as- acidic and I don't notice it. Acidic? Acidic. <laughs> I'm not noticing it until I eat something that is hot in temperature or acidic, and, and oh, then- I guess. Your tongue swells up and you say acidic? Yeah, um, I guess I had period diarrhea today. So Ooh! Bringing it back around. Um, yeah. You want to ask me how my body is? How is your body, Katie? <laughs> my body's pretty good. Um, since you brought up periods, I wanted to mention that I'm due to get mine any day now. And now that I'm back in the land of regular non birth control medicated Welcome periods back. i am ready to try a menstrual cup mm, i want to so do that too i did a bunch of research and i bought two of them because mm. i i don't have any experience with them and i couldn't decide which was a better investment so i just bought both um and i'm lucky to be in a situation where i could do that i watched like a ton of youtube videos and i read all these charts cuz there's like 200 different types of menstrual cups yeah and there's a lot i feel like we mostly hear about the uh the keeper and the diva cup and those are like the two that they sell at the co-op and mm-hmm. all the places around here and i was like my mind was kind of blown when i realized how many different kinds there are and i think it's weird that we only see two and the two that we see are actually kind of, like... Crappy, because I did not like the Keeper. Yeah, they're kind of on, like, opposite ends of all of the different sort of comfort spectrums. And, yeah, like, the Diva Cup is apparently, like, really big Yeah, in comparison to a lot of the other cups. And, like, people have trouble fitting it. And the Keeper is, like, very small, but it's also, like, one of the most rigid cups. Yeah, that's what I didn't like about it. Yeah. And even though you could, like you could cut the little stem down. Mm -hmm. I still could feel it all the time Mm -hmm. when I used it. I don't know what I did with my keeper. You gave it to me. Okay. I was like, did I give it to Value Village? Well, I had kind of (laughs) wanted to try it for a while, but they're really expensive. They're like $30, which seems to be pretty much across the board, like a menstrual cup that is made out of medical grade materials is going to cost you about 30 bucks. Um, it's not that bad, though. I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, considering you can use it, like, pretty much indefinitely. No, yeah. it's not. But if you're not sure it's going to work for you, that's an investment. Yeah. Um, but you know that people have problems with the Keeper because it's because it's so rigid and because the rim around the top is very pronounced. I couldn't pee when I had it in. Yeah, that's a common thing that people felt. So the two that I got, one is, like, the standard bell shape 
and it it just seems to have like good reviews. It's it's very run of the mill sort of middle of the road in terms of like texture and rigidity and um, all of these things. I think it's called the like the Luna Cup or something. The it was I was w- really excited to find one that wasn't pink, so I got an orange one. And then the other one that I got is called the Lily Cup, which is a non-standard shape. It's a yeah. very smooth shape but it's it might be too tall for some people so we'll see i want there to be a really butch period product (laughs) line because i feel like all of these like lily and luna and flower like kind of bull crap and just not how i feel when i'm on my period i just want like something that's like i'm bleeding out of my body cup I feel like the keeper is probably as close as you would get. Yeah. Like, it's it's a sports term. Yeah, it's that's true. Made out of rigid rubber. <laughs> <laughs> can we, can I get one just called, like, the chalice or something? <laughs> you could make it. You could absolutely make it. There are some that kind of look like that. But anyways, I'm really excited to try that out. I feel like in the next couple episodes, you might uh, hear some... Uh, graphic recaps of yeah. how that worked for me. Um, I, I think it takes a couple of cycles for you to feel like you really know what you're doing. So yeah. who knows? I'll probably have some funny stories as I figure out what I'm doing. But other than that, I'm feeling like pretty decent, especially considering how much stress I have been under lately. And um, I I realized that I, I've been vegan for like about a year now. And I think that is a huge part of why I'm, I am feeling very decent despite going through a lot of stress is that I have been eating, like, really healthy. So Nice. Uh, I'm feeling very proud of that. Good. Awesome. There's a chance that I didn't have period diarrhea and I have, like, the opposite going on with my body. And because I ate brownies for breakfast, <laughs> that may have been why I pooped all day. <laughs> but I also had, like, a very healthy smoothie, so... Oh, well, that, you know... Evens out? It Yeah. It just totally counterbalances all of the unhealthy stuff. <laughs> That's how food works. Yep. I guess the other thing... I don't know if this is a body... Does your hair count as, like, a body thing? It's on your body. It's on... Yeah. I mean, I guess we talked it's about hair in an episode, but more like eating it. That's not my problem right now. <laughs> eating your hair? No. <laughs> I'm just finding someone to cook you a nutritious meal out of your hair. (laughs) I'm just feeling like my hair doesn't really, like, represent me very well right now. But for, like, the first time in my life, I don't really have an idea of, like, what I wish it looked like or what I want it to look like. I want a new haircut. Yeah, but I just feel like I don't, I, I feel very, like, I don't know, like, disenchanted with hair or, like, confused about what what role hair plays in my life <laughs> like this is the first time that I I haven't had like very strong feelings about it and I don't know what to do but I'm bored with it so I don't know if you feel like you have a good hairstyle idea for me email us <laughs> gross podcast at gmail.com have you checked our email nope me neither <laughs> people could be emailing us and we would have no idea i'll do that right now <laughs> do you want to talk about what our topic is today yeah so speaking of eating we're gonna talk about cannibalism Ooh. so i am gonna talk about some history to do with cannibalism and um, as well sort of real life conditions, instances um, in which people eat themselves. And I'm also uh, going to throw you a curveball and say I don't think it's that weird. <laughs> um, uh, sort Excited of. to hear about that part. Uh, Can I just interject to say I checked our email and there's, it's, it's all just promotional stuff. You guys, please email us. Please. Make please, us, God. Please. Make us feel like a real podcast. Just one person <laughs> send in an idea or something. We'll talk about you in a, a great way. 
Yeah. Okay. That would be great. Anyways, go on. <laughs> okay. So, um, I want to start talking about how the Western world has talked about cannibalism because I think there's a lot of narratives out there that say things like, we discovered that cannibalist societies existed in the new world and da 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 da. But really, cannibalism has kind of been something that's existed in either folklore or ritualistic practices of basically every society. Um, there's evidence that uh, Neanderthals, Neanderthals mm-hmm. ate each other and that then us humans ate Neanderthals. What? Yeah. Like ate them out of existence or? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, I don't think we like ate them out of existence, but I think that we did like eat them. Is that because? I like we, consumed them as food. Like we thought that they, like we considered them to be animals. I don't think we can really know what early human thought. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, but like, no, there's I, like, evidence humans that Humans are animals them. too, but like, I don't know. So humans didn't eat other humans, but humans ate Neanderthals. No, humans did eat other humans. Well, I mean, that's still happening. There's so. bones that have been found that have tooth marks on them that look like other humans consumed ah. them. And bones of Neanderthals that look like humans consumed them when there was, like, you know, those folks existing at the same time. Um, so that is something that archaeologists uh, have found some evidence for. Usually, uh, cannibalism has happened, if not in certain religious ritual practices in all cultures, um, it has (laughs) also happened in times of, like, famine, Mm -hmm. um, it has happened in times of emergencies, so, like, that rugby team that got stranded in the Andes, I think, that they made that alive movie about or something. I have no idea. Um, so there's... I think it didn't happen to that little kid's, like, soccer team, right? <laughs> that would be sad. The, the recent <laughs> struggle with, with <laughs> Bannon being trapped? Okay. Yeah. I saw it noted that there is great speculation that it happened during the North Korean famine of mm. 2013. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Which is very recent in That's really sad. a society that we consider to be advanced, I guess. Yeah, but here's the thing that I'm going to argue is that cannibalism is not a thing of, like, non-advanced societies. Right, but, like, we consider, like, it. I mean, they weren't eating, like, if they did partake in cannibalism, which is something that has, is, is speculated about, it's not something that has been concretely shared with mm-hmm. um, the world outside of North Korea, it's not that they were doing it because of ritual practice or mm-hmm. because of, um, like, cultural attitudes. It's something that was happening, like, because of um, isolation and yeah, strife. Yeah, because and they were being starved. That's something yeah. that we should be able to prevent in this yeah. society of, like, having to turn to a practice like that um, out of famine. So, yeah, it still totally happens. Well, I'm assuming that's real. <laughs> well, another interesting thing is that, like, it's a really common practice in war, mm-hmm. um, both, like, eating a person that you killed from the other side and also as a form of torture of forcing Ugh. people to eat themselves. Oh, God. Um, I'm going to talk more about eating yourself. I know. Get ready. <laughs> So that's the other probably most common thing or time that it happens is like when people are battling each other. And I don't know. I mean, this is just wild speculation, but some fucked up shit's happening in North Korea. So who knows, like, you know, if that was like a crazy intimidation tactic or something like that, Mm -hmm. if people are being forced to eat each other. I don't know. But so like I was saying, there's sort of this narrative that you know, colonialists discovered that indigenous people were, you know, having these crazy practices and they were so savage and whatever and all of that bullshit. But when reality, there's evidence of uh, cannibalism happening in Viking cultures in German cultures. And there's folklore of those things happening. Uh, Slavic cultures have like Baba Yaga, yep. um, Hansel and Gretel in German cultures. 
and likely what more contemporary uh, anthropologists and indigenous peoples are saying is that there is some truth to, yes, there are legends that colonialists heard about and took that. And then we're saying that's like evidence that, you know, this crazy stuff was happening in the quote unquote new world. Mm -hmm. Um, But it would have been like the same thing as like Baba Yaga. You know, I have not thought about Baba Yaga since I was a tiny child. But I remember that being, like, one of the most terrifying stories that... Didn't you have chicken legs? Isn't that, like, what's I would read. I don't know. About I'm, I'm looking back into <laughs> it right now. She definitely is a very scary lady. Yeah. So, if to I guess, to give some clarity, so Baba Yaga, correct me if I'm wrong, is, like, a, like Slavic, like, Russian sort of fairy tale, creepy grandma witch lady that eats children. Yes. Kind of, like, same as Hansel and Gretel. Um, yes. So, and isn't that kind of like with a lot of fables, parents would like use that as like, if you're bad, then Baba Yaga is going to come get you. Yes, exactly. Like Jesus. Or I think my parents used to use it as like, if you don't go to sleep or if you don't oh. go to bed, she'll find you. I don't know if that's, that's mean. The... Well, <laughs> you know, we're not going to make comments about my parents' <laughs> parenting style right now. <laughs> I think everybody tries that stuff with their kids out of desperation. Yeah, that's true. I used to tell uh, kids when I worked um, in a retail store that there was a monster that would eat them if they went upstairs. Yeah. So I get it. Uh, (laughs) No shade, Katie's parents. Uh, I mean, so my family does have Slavic heritage. So, you know, technically you are... You could be shaming my cultural traditions. <laughs> I'm going to shame a lot of cultural traditions in this episode, actually. Okay. Well, you know, as long to as To start with, Catholics. <laughs> uh, so, white people, if you think that uh, cannibalism is weird, uh, look at your dang dominant religions. <laughs> because uh, one of the most prominent cannibalistic rituals, although in metaphor, happens in Catholicism and most Christianity, i.e. eating the blood and body of Christ. Woo! Cannibalism! So, cannibalism is not that weird when you think about it in terms of, like, the amount to which it exists in narratives in our culture. Like, Mm -hmm. it is a super normal thing that people do every week that they pretend that they eat the body of Jesus. (laughs) Which is kind of freaky when you think about it. <laughs> but That's something that Catholics do every week? I think so. Don't you take communion like every time you go to church? Oh, when yeah. I was in, going I to know. Mormon church, we uh, took those little contact lens cases full of water and uh, <laughs> the oh, God, uh, Wonder Bread, and we weirder. ate the body and blood of Christ. Contact lens cases? I don't know. They were these really weird little teensy tiny little plastic cups. That were about the size of contact contact lens holders, huh. and so you would like take a shot of water and a crust of Wonder Bread, and that was the blood and body of Christ. <laughs> Catholics yeah. are a do it up a little better. <laughs> yeah. Um, Didn't you get grape juice? No, no grape juice. Uh, just tap water. <laughs> um, Mormonism's all about no frills. Uh, <laughs> So my point with all that is that it's a really common practice in a lot of religions to consume a body with the concept that they would sort of take on properties of that body. So whether that was like, uh, you know, consuming actually another human to sort of like take on certain maybe mystical properties that that person had, um, or whether that is like taking in this like Holy Spirit or whatever. So there has been this element of cannibalism where, you know, it's actually a ritualistic practice that has some sort of like spiritual component to it. Um, And then it's also been used, especially by white people, uh, to sort of exclude certain groups or make an excuse for colonizing them or killing them, as in the case of uh, the myth that Jews ate Christian babies uh, which was very prevalent. Never heard that. Yeah. Hugely prevalent uh, leading up to World War II. That that was literally something that, uh, like, the Nazis would try and spread that propaganda. 
So look out for that in America in 2018. <laughs> yeah, has Trump yet said that Mexicans are eating babies? Because I yet. wouldn't be surprised. I bet it's coming. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So it's been really, really common that, like I said, people have sort of used cannibalism as this way of saying, oh, this other culture is uh, less than us, uh, not as civilized, even though there's mention of it in all cultures. There is a really cool book that I read some excerpts from. Called Baba Yaga? No. <laughs> called Man-Eating Myth by William Ahrens. And it kind of details a lot of what I was talking about and goes through, yeah, just that there's been this notion, especially in anthropology, that there are these weird cultures that do this freaky stuff. And then this dude kind of puts that into perspective and says, like, that's really a racist narrative. Yes, it exists, but it exists in all cultures. Mm -hmm. And so it's ridiculous to use something that we have, like every culture has like intense taboos around when and where to do these things. Um, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist. So it's kind of similar to murder in general. Like, you know, we all consider murder to be taboo, but there are certain circumstances in which like our culture deems that murder is okay. And so same with cannibalism, basically. And I read about some modern cannibalists, cannibals. Um, <laughs> modern cannibals. Um, I didn't look into Papua New Guinea, but that is one place. There was a... I did. Cool. Don't worry. I thought you did. So that's why I didn't go too deep. But there's a group in India, the Agor, and... Like, I guess there's been all these sort of, like, sensationalist articles written about these, uh, they're a group of Hindus, and um, that has that same sort of racist narrative. But then there was this other article that I found that was really um, kind of, like, seeing the beauty in the practices and um, respect, really respecting, like, their traditions. And it sounds like the creation of this little society was in protest of the caste system and part of the very rare cannibal ritual that um, happens in their society has been in response to that and the kind of narrative behind it is that basically there isn't hierarchy and nothing is like completely base and so what they do is a lot of People actually send them their dead who can't, like, afford to have funerals and can't afford to um, get their bodies cremated. And so there's this, like, like cannibalistic ritual that people don't really know that much about. The um, people who perform it don't allow it to be photographed or videotaped or anything like that, which makes perfect sense. Um, and part of it is just, like, this ritual, like, respecting the people um, for whom, like, they don't have their basic needs met, they haven't been respected in society, and mm. it seems like this kind of really beautiful process of, um, you know, taking those people in, continuing, like, their spirit and their energy and their life and, like, still giving them value and power in the world, and I think that that is kind of beautiful and lovely yeah. and not this, like, creepy, you know, like, oh, we're gonna you know, eat all the invaders sort of fear that people have of like, you know, or the white people have of brown people going into like, you know, the jungle and being consumed by savage yeah. whatevers. Um, it seems instead it's this really gorgeous ritual that has a lot of history to it and like taken within the context. It's doesn't seem to be anything that's devoid of humanity instead it seems to be quite the opposite that's very conscious of the humanity of the people that they're consuming um so that's my little soapbox about uh people's biases on cannibalism and now i'm going to talk about <laughs> to further why you shouldn't be afraid of cannibalism uh it's really normal to eat yourself uh, <laughs> a lot of people actually uh perform self-cannibalism myself included um <laughs> yeah me too yeah <laughs> yeah when you think about it just think about it uh there was one article that i read that brought up that so many of us will uh suck on a cut yep uh that is self-cannibalism 
and even if it's like the the cannibalism is the the means rather than than the end Mm -hmm. because i don't like as long as it's intentional okay because i don't suck on a cut because i'm like super stoked on drinking my own blood it's just usually to like keep things clean i'm sure that's a misconception that what's in my mouth is cleaner than that's completely a misconception mostly just to like keep blood from dripping on other stuff usually (laughs) yeah well so anything that is like consuming yourself there's a couple different names for it one is autosarcophagia also autophagia is another one from some of the stuff that i read it seems like there are some pedantic scholars who say that autoscarophagia is better terminology, but it seems that autophagia has taken up um, as more of a common term for self-cannibalism. Mm-hmm. There's some debate around that because it sounds like autophagy, which is something to do with like self-degradation of cells, basically like cells mm-hmm. that eat themselves, but it's a super normal process. But I, you know, the more that I have looked into this... I think a part of it may be just totally natural that a lot of people do this. I think it's like one in 20 people compulsively consume their skin. Um, yeah. Does it have to be your skin or like people no. who bite their fingernails? Fingernails, hair. Yeah. Um. So there's, it's really compulsive. Um. It has been sort of pathologized a little bit, although autophagia is not actually in the DSM, but it often gets classified under impulse impulse control disorders not elsewhere classified i definitely have trouble controlling my (laughs) impulses but here's here's a really interesting thing is that therapy and (coughs) other psychiatric responses to this have not shown any benefits Hmm. um which is why i'm sort of in the mind that it is kind of a compulsive normal not necessarily compulsive but like a normal thing most people do it unconsciously most people can't tell you why they do it oh yeah um, I'll like just kind of like wake up to reality having eaten like half of a hangnail or yeah. something. There's been a lot of theories about it. So people have theorized that it was due to stress. Um, but makes sense. No. <laughs> when they study what has driven people to bite their nails or bite their skin or bite their cheeks, most people say that it doesn't actually relieve any tension or stress from them. And like well... evidence shows that it doesn't have an impact. Of relieving stress or tension from people. Well, just because it doesn't relieve it, does that mean that it has has nothing to do with why you do it? I don't I know. I think it's not a pathology. That's like okay. my personal opinion, is that we just do this thing, and maybe there's a reason why we do it, but I think it's just a thing our bodies are sort of like reflexively doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, lots of animals do that, yeah. that they like... They they molt by yeah. like licking themselves and yeah. stuff. So. so snakes, yeah. There's a lot of snakes that will eat themselves. That's how we get like the ouroboros thing. <laughs> <laughs> the what? Ouroboros. Oh yeah. <laughs> the snake eating its tail. Yeah. Uh, That's where that comes from. Is that yeah? There's been rat snakes that have been found to uh, eat themselves. Uh, some of which have choked and died on themselves (laughs) which would be really cool to come across in my opinion so i have a few like bummer things about like times that it happens uh that uh autophagia happens in humans there's a condition called lesch-nehan syndrome which is an overproduction of uric acid i won't go into this in depth because it really is just a bummer and super sad uh, but it's a condition that usually involves uh, developmental delays and, like, um, lost muscle tone. And, that, like, one of the things that comes along with it is an uncontrollable urge to self-injure. Mm. Um, and which is what the super bummer part about this is, is that you're usually born with it. And it starts to, like, manifest when you're, like, two or three. Aww. So, like, I can't think of anything, like, sadder than that. <laughs> um, there's some things... Um, also called um, familial dysautonomia, 
um, <laughs> which also um, is a condition, uh, usually doesn't have developmental delays in this case, but it is something as well uh, where people have sensory issues, they have neuron issues, um, and um, some blood pressure issues. It can also cause like vomiting, um, problems with uh, swallowing and movement. And as a part of that, people just tend to over consume their own body. And the other time that it has been shown to show up, according to some case studies that I read, is when uh, people have had spinal cord injuries. Mm. Um, I highly suggest not looking up this uh, case study because there are photos. Uh, So I looked at them so that no one has to. (laughs) Doing the Lord's work over here. Yeah. The pictures were of them without fingers. Like, they'd eaten their fingers. Like, their fingers with little bones sticking out. Like, eating your skin until you eat the muscle and eat the bone off. (laughs) Yum. (laughs) Sorry. You look really upset. I want to, like... I didn't really think about, how, like, the bone part, because you would just be eating, Chewing like... Chewing your bone. Don't, don't do that <laughs> movement you did. Ah. Um, there was another case that wasn't related to spinal cord injury, but the guy had diabetes, so he lost feeling in his fingers and toes, mm-hmm. and he had bitten the f- up to, like, the first knuckle off of all of his... <sighs> fingers um and then but in his case they gave him antipsychotics and antidepressants and it stopped and he just had no and they treated his uh diabetes cool yeah i mean i don't know exactly how his life was from then so on out but supposedly on without your first digit he stopped yeah um cool. there was a much sadder case um which was the worst photos uh <laughs> Of a prisoner, and this article in particular is buco messed up. I really was annoyed by it. It was written in 2014. It was an NIH published study. This article was super upsetting because uh, of this particular sentence where it says, this pattern of behavior, uh, eating your skin that is, uh, seen in male patients with uh, personality, acute and chronic psychotic, major affective, and gender disorders. Mm. And I'd, they went into no further explanation about this, but multiple times in this article, it referred to people with quote-unquote gender disorders self-harming. Which, if they're maybe talking about <laughs> trans people it's very hard to be a trans person and so maybe there might be people showing up every once in a while who have self-injured as a coping mechanism but i thought it was really messed up that that was something that they equated with psychosis yeah um so but this story was really interesting it gets even worse um this guy had come in the prison had brought him into the er he I'm very curious as to why and how he got a knife in prison, but who knows? Uh, he had taken a knife and... Sounds uh, like that happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but he cut, uh, like, this very, like, symmetrical, like, precise rectangle out of his upper thigh. Um, that's what the pictures are of. Whoa. Um, so this rectangle cut out of his thigh just, like, the skin taken out and the prison guards said and i don't know how they knew this um and why they didn't do anything maybe because prison is awful um they said an hour after he cut this piece of skin off um and it's large like it was like like you know like mostly up the to the top of the thigh to like his knee um he ate it just ate the skin do you think he like rolled it up into a burrito like a little (laughs) a little bun or do you think it was more like eating like a piece of bacon um uh uh-oh uh-oh good job putting your phone in airplane mode jessica (laughs) i don't know 
<laughs> or just ate it like a craft single. <laughs> but sorry, no. I just feel like I feel the need to apologize. So the prison guards, because prison is awful, said that he'd done this before a year ago um, to his arm, Whoa. and they didn't take him to the ER in that case. And then the article just goes on to basically say that they thought he did it to get out of prison, which I'm like, how bad is that prison if that's what you would do to get out of prison? Yeah, it's pretty awful. Versus blame, like, they were blaming this guy as if, like, he doesn't have a psychiatric condition, he's just doing this to get out of prison, but no blame is put on the prison. I'm pretty sure just being in prison gives you little psychiatric issues. Yeah, right? Trauma? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was probably, like, sexually assaulted and, like, plus just, like, have you seen what prison cells actually look like? They don't look like they are in the movies. Ugh. They are so small and disturbing. I can't imagine, like, how awful that would be. And, of course, you would go crazy. And so I was just really disappointed in, like, this whole case study and that they were talking about this guy had sort of come into the hospital and was... Um, it sounded to me like he had, like, learned helplessness or something because they were, like, he was just calm um, and he uh, wouldn't – he was uncooperative because he wouldn't speak to them. And it's like, yeah, of course he was. He was in prison. He was probably having a terrible time. Or maybe – I mean, yeah, I also assume he was having a terrible time. But, like, maybe he didn't do it to get attention. Maybe he did it because, like, it was something that he – found some sort of satisfaction in but like or comfort in or also though what if he was starving yeah like what if they were starving him yeah like who knows i've heard of that happening and maybe it was like one of the famine situations where he was just like i need food y'all oh boy what yeah i guess (laughs) if you were in that situation what would you do what would you cut if i had the urge to cut something off well, if you were like, I got to eat myself or I got nothing else, like what would you mm. cut off like a toe? I guess like a rectangle out of your thigh is not I that bad of an idea. Your arm. It's your just inner like arm. right there. Yeah. I was thinking about that too when you were talking about the people eating their fingertips. Mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like I would just go for like a chunk of my arm or something. Yeah. The left oh. one at least. So I guess I should talk about how I actually do eat myself. <laughs> I always do think it was really weird that I compulsively will chew the inside of my cheeks. And also reading all of this, I, like, was doing it more. Like, it was really weird. I noticed that I was just, like, not even thinking about it consciously. And then it was, like, <laughs> like the if I, I was reading about it, I would just start doing it. But I've noticed that I do it if I'm bored. Um, one of the things that I had read in the study about the people who had spinal cord injuries is they thought that maybe people were doing it because they didn't have enough uh, stimuli. Yeah. Um, and so that could be something because it seems to um, be like comorbid or whatever with like uh, attention deficit disorder. Yeah. So I was going to say, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I used to think when I was little that I was a total freak because oh, I. Yeah. I think occasionally people have said things to me because it make because basically all I look like is I have like resting bitch face a lot of the time because I just have like my like mouth askew and people will be like why are you mad and I'm like I'm not mad I just compulsively eat my own skin. <laughs> I get that all the time because I bite my lips a lot. Yeah, or I like like compulsively will peel the dead skin off my lips with my teeth. Mm-hmm. That probably looks real freaky to other people. Yeah. I also eat my, uh, not even just, like, hangnails. Like, I will straight up eat, like, the little, uh, skin, like, around Ooh. your nails. Yeah. Um, but I don't really, like, eat, eat it. I think most of the time I chew it off and, like, spit it in the trash. See, that's what I was going to say, because, like, I used to do that with, like, my nails and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed that as I've got older... I, well, first of all, I don't eat my nails compulsively anymore. I did yeah. for a long time as a kid. I used to chew my nails. Where I, I, yeah, I but stopped, I was like, though, when I was older. I don't even know why. But now I notice if I do, like, if I get, um, like, a hangnail or something and I chew it, like, I, 
I don't just like bite it off and spit it out. I will like nibble it. Oh, away I will nibble a little on bit the, by on a little the bit skin. And well, yeah. no, but I'll do it at the nail, oh. and I'll like swallow it as I'm going along. It's really <laughs> gross. It's definitely I, like one of the things that I do where I'm like, oh god, I hope nobody ever like yeah. realizes like it's happening. Do... And then and now I'm announcing it to the world. <laughs> I do definitely kind of do that with the like skin that I chew off of my fingers for yeah. sure. And like it was interesting cuz I don't know, just reading about this, I also was like, whoa, I'm totally not the only one that does this, but you know, when you're little and you think like everything I do, I'm the only one and I'm so much of a freak and but it's super common that people will bite the inside of their cheeks and they have the same kind of compulsion that I do whereas uh it's the cyclical thing where you basically like will develop this scar tissue and then the scar tissue is rough in texture and then you'll have the compulsion to smooth it out, um, to like smooth mm-hmm. out the rough texture. And so the more you do it, the more scar tissue you get. But at the same time, it seems like even though it is this compulsive kind of cyclical thing that's pretty impossible to stop, uh, there doesn't seem to be that many side effects. Uh, it's pretty harmless. Other than scar tissue buildup? <laughs> no, but it's not like... It's not a cosmetic issue because no one's seeing it. Well, for um, like on the inside of your cheek. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Like nobody's like looking inside your mouth. Yeah. Um. So it, that's not really an issue. You could potentially like bite your cheek, cheek, which I've mm-hmm. done, um, and kind of caused myself um, to bleed. Uh. So that's something to be aware yeah. of. Uh. Because that could get infected, but. I searched a little bit, and it does not seem to be a thing that is, like, causing a lot of people to get awful infections. What is more likely to cause you infections is nail biting and finger skin biting. Um, You can get, uh, like, yeast infections and bacterial and other fungal infections on your uh, hands, and Mm. that could potentially be um, bad. I think that's all I have on cannibalism. Tell me what happens to you if you eat a human brain. Okay. Well, okay. So you said human brain. So I got to point out that cannibalism on, on part body parts, other than parts of your, uh, like nervous system, like your brain and spinal cord. If you eat anything else there, there's no greater threat than what you might find by eating any other type of meat. So eating a human arm or leg, I guess <laughs> I was gonna say, is the same as eating a cow arm, but <laughs> eating eating a human leg poses. <laughs> Sorry, I just imagined a cow with human arms. I know, that's why I was worried where that was going. <laughs> like Arnold Schwarzenegger arms. <laughs> <laughs> eating eating a human leg. Or butt cheek <laughs> poses no greater threat than eating a, a cow's. So what leg you're saying is that eating a cow is the cheek. same thing as eating a human. Uh, yeah, theoretically. <laughs> I wonder if the Hindu folk in the who eat humans don't eat cows, because isn't that a Hindu thing? Yeah, but I, Hindus believe that cows specifically are sacred. Yeah, correct. So, um. Maybe people are not. Eat people, that's, not cows. That's fair. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like, obviously, I have done a lot of research and reading about the, um, like, ethical decisions that Carcinogens we... and cow meat. That we go through or that we bypass or that we, like, you know, like, we have all these cognitive dissonances about what it means to eat different kinds of meat. And, mm-hmm. like, honestly, like, I don't really feel like there is a whole lot that is different about eating animal meat versus people meat. Mm-hmm. Except that, except for, like, our, um, our, like, power hierarchies, you know? Like, we assume that we have power over other animals that we don't have the right to have over other people. But, like, as as you talked about with, like, all cultures at times eat other people. So, you know, when different sorts of things cause those power hierarchies to go away or if they didn't exist mm-hmm. in the first place in a culture, then, like, yeah, there's there's not really anything that weird about eating people. 
if you don't <laughs> think it's weird to eat cows or chickens yeah. or other things. So Jeffrey Dahmer would love this podcast. <laughs> Except I would add, don't eat people without their consent. Please. <laughs> there are there, there's a paraphilia um that eroticizes being consumed mm-hmm. so you know there may be people out there that do consent do consent i believe there are eaten. I so just find them there if have been stories about them people. yeah if, <laughs> if you have the complimentary philia <laughs> that eroticizes <laughs> the eating of other people yeah um there's got to be a reddit thread somewhere there's someone for everyone <laughs> um probably not but we can dream <laughs> okay so now that we've gotten that the uh more or less healthy part of cannibalism out of the way <laughs> not that i think eating any meat is healthy i think it's all unhealthy but um the part that you definitely do not ever want to eat, regardless of how much famine you are facing, is somebody else's brain or spinal cord. The first thing I want to mention is that our our brains have a lot of really healthy fats in them. <laughs> so, like, there, there's a lot of plays around um, the word, the phrase brain food, because mm-hmm. um, your brain or or the brains of other mammals is, is theoretically, like, really good brain food, brain food, because it's super concentrated DHA, so it's, like, really high in um, omega-3 fatty acids, and then um, your, your brain in total, I think, is about, like, 20%. Fat. Next time someone calls me fat, I'll just be like, no, I just have a really big brain. Yeah. But your brain has this thing around it called the myelin sheath. Mm. And that is made up of 70 to 80% fat, mostly those, um, the like DHA. And it, the, the fat tissue in that part specifically, um, provides like a really fast conduction highway for your neurons to use to send signals. So when you eat a lot of brain food, like uh, walnuts and avocados and, um, you know, stuff like salmon, if you choose to partake in meat, um, (laughs) that's a lot of why people tell you to eat it is because you need to plump up this myelin sheath in your brain and that helps with um, cognition and memory and um, basically makes you smarter if you choose to uh, define it that way. So millennials are smarter because we eat so much avocado toast. Yeah, exactly. So th- there are a lot of cultures that eat mammalian brains of other species as either like a delicacy or everyday food. And, you know, even as Americans, we eat them when we eat things like anchovies mm. or spam. Um, Calamari. We don't think about it. Isn't that like tentacles? No, you can get the calamari that's like the whole Ugh. octopus. Ugh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you don't think about it if you're not like specifically eating the brain itself, but we do consume whole creatures. So <laughs> we are getting brains when we do that. Also, if you eat food from like McDonald's or something, like I hate to break it to you, but there's probably brains in that meat too. Is that why? I have a secret sick love That's for McDonald's. <laughs> Who knows? Because it makes you smarter. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um, there are a lot of cultures that uh, cook brains in curries. Hmm. In Hot Pot, there's like a Turkish salad that has, I think, like lamb brain in it or something. There are tacos made with brains. There's a lot of French foods and gravies. There's even a Cuban brain fritter. Mm. Um, We eat brains all the time, basically. Um, And it's not a problem as long as there are no prions in the brain. And a prion is a type of protein. It's unknown why, but something causes this prion to be misfolded. Hmm. And that abnormal structure of a prion makes it resistant to denaturation. So it's hard for your body to 
kill that protein off. And um, it kind of makes it like get in the way of other things. So a prion is like an infectious agent, Mm. but it's one that has been like stumping scientists since we figured it out because it's the only infectious agent that we know of that does not replicate by using RNA and DNA. It Mm. is literally just a protein and it is able to change other proteins into misfolded proteins like itself. It's really weird. Do you, is that like where maybe like our soul lives? <laughs> well, not everybody has prions. Oh. Well, so not no. everyone has a soul. That's true. <laughs> we have a soulless human being in the White House. Or maybe prions like... Trump joke. Put eat your soul. <laughs> maybe prions are like Bob from Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's possible. So... What happens is, like, a prion will come in and it will turn other prion, other protein cells into prions, um, and the, they will grow into these big plaques, and um, because of their, like, bent abnormal structure, um, it, it kind of, it, um, part of what that sort of fucks with is, like, the interconnections between different protein cells and you get these sponge-like holes in this tissue, Mm. um, which is why uh, prion diseases are mostly in this family called transmissible spongiform encephalopathies. (laughs) Encephalopathies. So... Encephalopathies? uh, That that could be it. Uh, We're going to call it TSE. (laughs) (laughs) So, transmissible obviously means you can transmit it. Spongiform, due to the appearance of the affected tissue. Encephalopathy, encephalitis, maybe, in some cases. Um, and that means it affects your brain. Brain don't work no more. <laughs> Itis. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe encephalitis is like just the swelling of it. That's I think else. it is. Okay, don't listen to me. So, <laughs> um, prions are m- mostly found in your brain and your nervous system and tissue, like in your spinal cord, but they can actually be found throughout the body of an infected creature, just in way smaller quantities. Hmm. So, a uh, very uh, common TSE that we hear about on the news every once in a while is a mad cow disease which is bovine spongiform encephalopathy i'm gonna end up saying that a lot um (laughs) and um theoretically a cow that eats any part of an infected cow could get you just need like one prion yeah to start like uh, mutating these other cells into other prions so it could come from like getting a splash of blood onto a cow's food or something but you know what usually happens is that like dead cows will get ground up and fed to other cows that's such a bummer yeah it is um so cows get mad cow disease from eating other cows that are infected with prion disease if a human eats uh, beef from a cow that had mad cow disease, a human does not get mad cow disease, but a human gets another prion disease called variant Kreutzfeldt Jacobs disease. All right. Um, <laughs> Kreutzfeldt Jacobs disease is <laughs> a prion disease. Um, it's. What a lot of prion diseases are called wasting syndromes. Oh. So it's the symptoms are consistent with other degenerative diseases. Like okay. you have loss of brain function that results in um, dementia. You lose motor functions. Um, your body kind of falls apart. It really sucks. And um, you can be infected with a prion disease for a long time, like even up to 60 years without developing any symptoms. What? Yeah. But as soon as you do start developing symptoms, that degeneration is like on a clock and you've got about 13 to 18 months to live standard. These diseases are 100% fatal. 
Yeah, isn't that nuts that, like, something could not affect you at all for 60 years, and then all of a sudden it just kicks into gear? <laughs> like, who knows? Remember, we all have it. And Has there been know. any studies on, like, who, how many people, like, have these prions in them? Oh, so, well, yes, it's... We still don't know, like, what causes it, and it's kind of like rabies. You can't actually test somebody for it until they're dead because you have to test their brain tissue. And we don't do brain biopsies. Yeah, that would be stupid. Yeah, on on live people. So, um, they don't, and, like, they can't... Unless brain cancer. Do they do a... Well... Yeah, I think they take a biopsy of the tumor, don't they? Is it? Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, because, like, when you... Yeah. But that's not, is, is, okay, yes, guys, I guess that is a biopsy of your brain, because that tumor is technically part of your brain if it's growing in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if you're taking a biopsy out of a tumor. They're not just going to test that you might have a prion for the heck of it. Yeah, because they have to take, like, functional brain tissue mm-hmm. in order to do that. Whereas if you take tissue out of a tumor, <laughs> I mean, usually they're, like, fairly confident anyway. that's not going to, like, mess with your brain function, so... Uh, we could all have this. We could all have 13 months to live. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Gross Podcast, where we tell you you're going to die. So, there are a lot of other TSEs. Um, the the sort of prototypical TSE is called Scrapey. What? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Scrapey. So much so. Could that be our mascot? Uh... (laughs) You don't even know what it is. I know, but I just like the idea of... I already have an image in my head of Scrapey. Scrapey. Scrapey would be a really sad sheep with, like, raw skin. (laughs) Because Scrapey is something that um, sheep and goats and I think some rodents get. Mm. And they literally, like, scrape themselves raw. (laughs) It gives them uh, an itching sensation. Oh. It's like they're on like a shit ton of meth or something. Or they have the other one that we talked about. <laughs> more gelins. Yes. Yeah. Um, or they have more gelins. And it's it's fatal for them as well. So our mascot is like really sad. Um, <laughs> you picked a good one there. But then this... I find like what the uh, microscopic version of that is. And, like, of a prion? Of, uh, yeah, I guess so. And then we'll call it Scrapey the Prion, and it'll be our mascot. <laughs> it's just this little, like, tumbleweed of a protein yeah. cell or something. Protein. Uh, protein's it'll be a protein cell. cell with really long fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Scrapey is, like, so prototypical that the, the, the name of the prion protein is, it's, PRP um, superscript SC, which actually stands for scrapey. So our like scientific name for that that protein has that in it. When it affects cows, we call it mad cow disease. When it affects deer, it's called chronic wasting disease. Um, and when it affects people, it has different kinds of names. And one thing I couldn't figure out from what I could find on the internet is it is it these different TSEs that affect human beings. Are could theoretically all be the same thing, hmm. or if there is a way that they can identify like different types of prions, and each disease comes from like a different type of prion, or like, if it just has to do with like the manner in which it's contracted. Yeah, I couldn't figure that like out. Like mutated viruses and stuff. Yeah. So the you mentioned Papua New Guinea, and there is a tribe there called the Four. I believe. I hope that's pronouncing it right. They had um, a a really high percentage of their population. It was like 2% of their tribe was dying every year from Hmm. what seemed like this like chronic wasting disease that people just kept getting sick. And um, finally, in the 50s, doctors figured out that it was coming from the cannibalistic aspects of their culture. Hmm. So they ha- they used to eat other people um, both as an act of warfare mm-hmm. and as a, a funeral rite where yeah. they would eat their loved ones after they died. And it was mostly women and children who would eat other people, especially in during the funeral rite. So they were the ones who were dying. 
I don't know if you guys know how compound interest works, but 2% per year is... That's a lot. Yeah. that That's like over time that took out like a pretty large percentage of this group of people um, until they figured out what was going on and they were able to start preventing it. So like we said, these are always fatal. You can't treat it once yeah. it has been contracted or it starts, but they did help explain to these people like where it was coming from and like, okay... I'm I'm sure in the 50s and 60s that it they probably didn't do that gracefully. No, it was probably just like you have to stop eating people. Whereas you know, like now, if you were trying to be culturally sensitive, you might be like, you should stop eating brains. Yeah, but go ahead and reduction, (laughs) y'all. Go ahead and eat like the legs or you know, like I don't know. So do they still eat people and just like chill on the brains? Well, this is a um a pretty rural tribe, Mm -hmm. so nobody knows. I assume that, you know, maybe they're still, I don't know. Who knows? The the um, existence of their specific TSE, which is called Kuru, Kuru. Um, has definitely declined since the 50s when they figured Great. this out. So uh, whether it's harm reduction or completely cutting it out. <laughs> like My guess is they already knew what was up and they were like, hey, dumb white people. Yeah, we know. And <laughs> so, yeah. So the most interesting thing that I read about is that there are members of this tribe who developed a resistance uh, to these infectious prions. Wow. And there's hypothesis that if allowed to continue with their cultural traditions, their entire tribe might have evolved to take on this resistance. That's badass. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, our dumb Western doctors, like, could have stopped that in its tracks. Yeah. That could have been, like, the next great evolution of humans. Is that we can eat each other. <laughs> <laughs> Is that we can eat each other without consequence. I mean, hell, we're going to need to. Like, it, global warming and all that jazz. Yeah. Who knows what's coming? Chaos. You know. <laughs> Anyways, a prion disease can come from eating other people or meat affected with a prion disease. It can be inherited Mm. or it can be contracted spontaneously. Nope. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, through just like a mutation. No! Like you can just all of a sudden... Just manifest a prion From in your thinking brain. About it too hard, like what yes. my anxiety tells me will happen with every disease yep. that I think about. Congratulations, <laughs> you now have Creutzfeldt Jacobs. <laughs> um, and specifically with Creutzfeldt Jacobs, they suspect that I think something like eighty percent of the cases of that disease come from spontaneous contraction. Yeah. That is considered to be where that disease comes from. Or do we just not know where it comes from? Well, my hypothesis is that, see, that that was why I started asking questions about, like, do these different diseases come from different types of prions? And did the government put it in our water? Well, I'm wondering if, like, (laughs) if, if, if that all is coming from, like, mad cow disease or something. Yeah. Like, if, if it is just the same prion or if we don't, like, identify different types of prions, like, who knows? Like, yeah, I mean, like, maybe it's just McDonald's, we, one of the most, like, popular food chains in maybe we the just United States. And... don't want to admit that there's, like, a way higher prevalence of mad cow disease or, yeah. like, prion disease in humans coming from eating, like, gross meat. I don't know. Who knows? So, in the United States, you are allowed to put brains in your meat that you sell to people. But oh, this is turning into one of those podcasts. <laughs> but not from, um, like, high-risk cows. So, like, old cows, <laughs> cows that can't walk, cows with neurological defects. You're not allowed to let those brains and spinal tissues mix Who's in. watching that, though? I don't know. This is like a, a cattle farming rule. <laughs> but brains from regular so-called healthy cows totally can get mixed in with everything. With, like, hamburger meat? Yeah. Yummy. But, like, the, you know. We I just established it's good for you. 
Well, but also, like, we established <laughs> that you can have prions in your brain for, like, 60 years before you start showing yeah. symptoms. So, like, can that happen in cows, too? Can a cow seem I'm totally dead healthy? I'm in 60 years regardless. Yeah. Well, I hope not. <laughs> we could live into our 90s. Do you want to? I don't know. <laughs> Science is advancing rapidly. <laughs> Probably not. No. I also want to point out, just because it would be irresponsible of us to omit this information, mm-hmm. um, you cannot kill a prion by cooking your meat. It, mm. It's not something that you can kill at a high temperature because it's just a type of protein. Yeah. So the, it's not like E. coli or something that if you safely prepare yeah. meat, you can avoid it. So you if you you cannot eat that raw meat y'all doesn't matter you'll die anyway. You cannot safely cook a human brain and eat it if you don't know it's prion free. Um, just don't eat brains, you guys. <laughs> it's I mean unless you have to. <laughs> it just really seems like a high risk activity. But I am a risk averse person. Maybe you like to live on the edge. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. That's all I got. Don't don't forget to air out your prions. Oh, we're not there yet. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our weird, creepy podcast. <laughs> uh, if you want to hear more, you can find us at grossbod.com and on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, where we would be super stoked if you liked, subscribed, or gave us a hot review. Uh. Thank you. We are also now on the air locally in Bellingham every other Monday night at 10 p.m. on KZAX 94.9 FM and streaming on KZAXradio.org. Send us topic requests, poop stories, and... What part of your body do you like to eat? Fingernails, cheeks, hair, lips, fingertips. Yes, let us know. Armpit hair. Ooh, boogers. We didn't even talk about boogers. At grossbodcast at gmail.com. I'm pretty sure bodily byproducts are different. Placenta is considered. Really? Cannibalism. Oh, well, people are totally encouraged to do that. Yeah. Tell us about how you eat your placenta. We'd love to hear about that. We should do a whole episode about that. (laughs) Okay. Don't forget to air out your placenta. And your vagina. Good night. Thank you.